rescuer has come and he is on an all-out kingdom invasion. The gospel according to Mark is a fast-paced telling of the story of the life of Jesus. But guys, so much more than just a biography. It's the story of Jesus' invasion into a hostile and dark world. Mark will focus a little bit on what Jesus teaches, but far more he's considered and concerned with Mark's actions and Mark's authority. He speaks of Jesus coming into this world confronting the powers of darkness, and he speaks of Jesus overturning them and their destruction. It's the story of Jesus invading, invading with the kingdom of God and breaking it into a world that is hostile and resistant to it for the purpose of liberating its people and recreating that which God intended to be from the very beginning. It is the story of Jesus invading, confronting these powers of darkness and ushering in what the prophets would call the day of the Lord, or the day of our God. If the Gospels tell the story of Jesus' life and the bringing of his kingdom, then Mark Mark focuses on the battle scenes. Now, in the beginning, life was as it should be. As God had always intended The Hebrew scriptures will call it good, very good. You might call it perfect. But all was as God had hoped and dreamed it would be. But then through deception and through intrigue, corruption came in. Spoiling God's creation, tainting it and destroying it. And the kingdom of darkness set up a pseudo-reign through the curse and the command of sin and of death. But Jesus is the king. And he knows how God's kingdom is supposed to be. He knows how it's supposed to be, filled with justice and joy, love and mercy, righteousness and goodness and shalom. He knows what belongs there. And he knows what doesn't. And so we see in this story, Jesus forgiving words, forgiving deeds at his very command. We see cells damaged by paralysis, healed at his very words. We see Jesus confronting the powers of darkness, rising up those who are oppressed and confronting self-righteousness, shaming it. And exposing it. We see opposition as the armies mount against him, seeking to destroy him and undermine his efforts. And yet we see that demons call him by name and flee from his presence when he banishes them. We see Jesus time and time again stepping forward, advancing this kingdom of God. This is the gospel according to Mark. 
This is what this biography of Jesus is all about. And then in what appears to be his most humble action. Jesus gives his life, the king, for his people. The author of life giving his life to defeat darkness once and for all and overturn the kingdom of darkness forever. And God's invitation is that for all people, through this perfect sacrifice of his son, the very son of God, this king, God's invitation is for all of us to be a part of that kingdom. And for every person who comes into that kingdom, it amplifies the death knell of the kingdom of darkness only louder. Because in that cross that looked like shame in defeat, the kingdom of darkness was overthrown forever. And freedom and the kingdom and the justice and joy and goodness that it brings was brought in. Ground established. Never to be lost again. And Mark invites us to see this story as more than just the unfolding of the biography of a man from so long ago, but to see it as nothing short of the invading kingdom of God into every corner and every heart where darkness resides in this world until he returns. His invitation is for each of us to be a part of that kingdom to turn from our allegiances and call on this king as our savior and lord and find citizenship in his kingdom. This is the gospel according to Mark. This year, We are talking about the kingdom of God as Jesus will put it and teach us to pray, thy kingdom come. To think and yearn and hope for this thing that was so central to what Jesus' purpose and mission and ministry was about. In this November, we're using the gospel of Mark as a window into what the kingdom of God is really like. This November, we're focusing on the first five chapters. And this day, we look at chapters two and three. Amounting resistance against Jesus and his kingdom. And as you look, let Mark pull the curtain back for you and unveil to you that which you might see but not perceive, that which you might hear but not understand, that which might be right before you and yet missing it before your eyes. As you look and listen, let Mark show you the way that Jesus is bringing his kingdom forward. The way it is being resisted. Let him show you how you might be resisting it as well. 
look for the kingdom language and conflicts of forces rising up against each other, of hostility and tension brewing, of combat happening for every square inch of ground and every soul that matters to God. May you see what Jesus brings that he has said is upon you. This is the gospel according to Mark. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. A few days later, when Jesus again entered into Capernaum, the people saw that he had come home. So many gathered that there wasn't any room left, not even outside the door. Jesus began to preach the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. And when they saw that they couldn't get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof over Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now there were some Pharisees who were gathered there. And they began to think to themselves, Why does this man talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking in his heart, what they were thinking in their hearts. And so he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? What is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk. But I tell you that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he turned and he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up. He took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they began to praise God, saying, And once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. He went there. And Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd followed. And he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. 
While Jesus was eating dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when some of the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw that he was eating with sinners and with tax collectors, well, they said to his disciples, why is he eating with sinners and tax collectors? But on overhearing this, Jesus turned to them and said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. So some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples are fasting, but yours are not? And Jesus replied, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? They cannot fast so long as the, br- the bridegroom is with them, but the time will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And on that day, they will fast. Think of it this way. No one takes an unshrunk patch and puts it on an old garment. No. When you do that, the new piece pulls away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. When you do that, Bursts the old wineskins, ruining both the new wine and the old. No, you pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, one Sabbath, was, Jesus was walking through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick heads of grain. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to Jesus, How is it that they are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate some of the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat, and he gave some to his companions. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time, Jesus was in the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Now some of them were looking for a way to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal the man on the Sabbath. So Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then he looked around and he asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. Jesus looked around at them in anger. And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And it was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out. 
and they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Now Jesus withdrew with his disciples again to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. And when the word got out what Jesus was doing, many people came from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, the regions across the Jordan around Tyre and Sidon. Jesus told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him because of the crowd to keep the people from crowding him for he had healed many of their their, their illnesses and many who had diseases were pushing forward to try to touch him. And whenever the demons and evil spirits saw him, they fell down in front of him and cried out, you are the son of God. But Jesus gave them strict instructions not to tell anyone who he was. And he went up on a mountainside. And he called to him those whom he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now, here are the 12 that he appointed. Simon, whom he called the rock. James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John, whom he called sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew. Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Elphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. And then Jesus went into a house, and so many people gathered that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He drives out demons. So Jesus called them, and he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom's divided against itself, it can't stand. And if a, if a house is divided against itself, it can't stand. So if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one enters into a strong man's house and carries off all his possessions without first tying up the strong man. Only then can he rob his house. All the sins and blasphemies of people can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this to them because they were saying he has an evil spirit. And then his mother and brothers arrived. Waiting outside, they sent someone in to call 
him. And the crowd who was gathered there around Jesus said to him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brothers? He said. And then looking around at those who were seated around him in a circle, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. This is the beginning of the royal proclamation of Jesus the King, God's divine and rightful heir to the throne. Last week, if you were with us, I spoke to you briefly about this amazing way Jesus taught his disciples to seek God and pray. Couched in this simple phrase, thy kingdom come. What does God want you to want? God wants you to want his kingdom to come. What does God want you to be thinking about and concerned with? God wants you to be thinking about and concerned with his kingdom coming. It's why of all the things Jesus could have taught his disciples to pray for, he says, pray like this, thy kingdom come. And this is what we're going to invite you to do today, to, do today, to, to yearn, to pray, to, to call out to God for his kingdom, for it to come. Because Jesus has invaded, but we live in a dark world yet, don't we? And Jesus isn't finished just yet. It is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the end. How does God want you to yearn for that kingdom? And what you see in this world and the places of your heart and those around you. Today, we're going to invite you to call out to him for it. And this is how we're going to do it. As we pray, I'm going to invite you to pray on your own. Maybe using my words to help guide your thoughts and your prayers for the way to cry out to God for his kingdom. And I'll give examples and I'll give ways. But every time, I'll end it by saying, thy kingdom come. And when it's done, I want you to reply, thy, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That makes sense? Let's try it. Thy kingdom come. You got it.